It's like we haven't already talked to each other. It's like, yeah. oh, good to see you. Oh, when you did you get here? You just drop right into that chair. <laughs> Microphone. I wish it were that easy. Headphones and all. I wish it were that easy. <laughs> nope, that doesn't sound bad then. Okay, anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, how are you? I'm good. Um, what are we doing? T- what are we doing here? So today, should we just go right into it? Yeah, I think that would be a nice uh, change for people. (laughs) Yeah, probably so. So the, well, when we released this, I guess that we will have had our live show, but the Mm -hmm. episode before that was the episode on Boadicea. And at the end, we somehow got into a conversation where I was talking about my Uncle Mike that I was really close to. And I realized I haven't really told that story. Mm Mm-mm. The story, I mean, the funeral in itself, I guess, wasn't a huge story, but my, I was very close to my uncle. He was four years older than my dad, and... He was kind of like a father figure? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he was... For all intents and purposes. Yeah, I mean, he was just, we were really close, and he, um, him and my dad were really close, and I've been told that I was part of the reason that he like cleaned up because he was in Vietnam and um, he was in Vietnam and you know a lot of people when they came back had a lot of issues and yeah he that is a topic to get into grief associated with yeah war so yeah for sure but my dad kind of was at the point where he. I mean, he wasn't doing anything like extremely crazy, but just enough that when my dad started a family, he said, you know, I know you're doing this stuff and I I can't bring my child around it. And I was the first girl born a Brooker into my family in five generations. That's so wild. My dad had all brothers. His dad had all brothers and on and on. And so when I came along, they were just kind of like, oh, what is and <laughs> what my is this? <laughs> my dad and my uncle were both... Um, tinkerers and really good at fixing things and I I always imagine them like over my crib just going like oh (laughs) it's this new thing to like tinker with and like what a well like how does this work and this is going to be so different and interesting let's figure it out let's figure this shit out and this is back before google yeah exactly (laughs) and so that's uh that's my mental image I have of the two of them just this new thing to tinker with and I remember my Dad and I would go and visit my uncle, Mike, just the two of us. It was just me and these two grown men. <laughs> but one time we were going to go out to dinner and they were trying to put my hair up. Oh, no, that's the worst. And these two men that could fix anything trying to put my hair into a side ponytail were so baffled. And my uncle's girlfriend at the time came in and she just said, like, what have y'all been doing to this, <laughs> to this child? And so she put my hair in a French braid and put Aww. this pretty pearl barrette in it. But I just have so many memories like yeah. that of my dad and my uncle. That's so funny. Men cannot, do, uh, most men <laughs> yeah. cannot do a child's hair. But it was it was really funny. And 
Um, so yeah, we were really close, but he was in Vietnam and he was exposed to Agent Orange. It's terrible. And do you know what years he was in Vietnam? I am not totally sure which years he was. Some of the time between Vietnam and Vietnam. <laughs> between like, Vietnam and <laughs> Vietnam, yeah, at some point in those. Okay, that's fine. Years. He was the first cavalry division of the U.S. Army. Oh, okay. And he was a radio man. Mm. And so I'm going to go into a little bit about Agent Orange. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. start things off, and oh god, but yeah. So let's do it. Operation Ranch Hand. During the Vietnam War, the U.S. military engaged in an aggressive program of chemical warfare codenamed Operation Ranch Hand, where they sprayed a range of herbicides across more than 4.5 million acres of Vietnam to destroy the forest cover and food crops Mm. and the foods that were used by the enemy Vietnamese and the Viet Cong troops. Yeah. So the main herbicide was called Agent Orange because of the orange markings on the 55-gallon drums in which the chemicals were shipped and stored. In addition, there was also Agent Pink, Agent Green, Agent Purple, Agent White, and Agent Blue, each of these manufactured by Monsanto, Dow Chemical, and other companies. And they all had different chemical additives and varying strengths, but Orange was the most potent. It was also available in slightly different mixtures, sometimes referred to as Agent Orange 1, 2, 3, and Super Orange. Oh, good. Yeah. In addition to Agent Orange's the active ingredients which cause plants to defoliate agent orange contained significant amounts of 2378 aka tcdd a type of dioxin which was not intentionally added to agent orange rather it's a byproduct produced during the manufacturing process so, okay. you know from the mixing the different chemicals like when you mix this other ammonia and bleach yeah like it then mm-hmm. you're then you've got a toxic right. fume yeah. yeah. It was found in varying concentrations in all the different herbicides used in Vietnam. Dioxins are also created from trash incineration, mm. burning gas, oil, and coal, cigarette smoking, mm. and in different manufacturing processes, processes such as bleaching. There you go. Yeah. The TCDD found in Agent Orange is the most dangerous of all dioxins. God, it's so frustrating to hear about this because it's like, well, did we not do enough research? Like, or did we, we just didn't fucking care? They like, knew. Oh, God. They knew. They just said that it was, Yeah. Dioxin is a highly persistent chemical compound that lasts for many years in the environment, mm. particularly in soil, lake, yeah. and river sediments, and in the food chain. Yeah. Dioxin accumulates in fatty tissues in the body of fish, birds, and other animals. Most human exposure is through food, such as meats, poultry, dairy products, eggs, shellfish, and regular fish. But studies done on laboratory animals have protein that dioxin is highly toxic, even in minute doses. Mm. It is universally known to be a carcinogen. Short-term exposure to dioxin can cause darkening of the skin, liver problems, and a severe acne-like disease called chloracne. Mm. I've never heard of that before. Additionally, dioxin is linked to type 2 diabetes, immune system dysfunction, nerve disorders, muscular dysfunction, hormone disruption, and heart disease. Mm. And a variety of cancers. So, developing fetuses are particularly sensitive to dioxin, which is also linked to miscarriages, sure. spina bifida, and other problems with fetal brain and nervous system development. And I, I mean, so that was the problem is pe- 
men didn't even know that they yeah that this exposure was going to cause anything and then they were came home and started trying to start a family. to start families and children were born with these terrible birth defects or just miscarried like they mm-hmm. just couldn't yeah so sad when veterans from the vietnam war as well as their families began to report a range of afflictions rashes miscarriages birth defects type 2 diabetes psychological issues and a variety of cancers in 1979, a class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of 2.4 million veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange during their service in Vietnam. Five years later, in and out of court settlement, seven large chemical companies that manufactured the herbicide agreed to pay $180 million in compensation to the veterans or their next of kin. Hmm. Which v- isn't even that much money. Yeah. Various challenges to the settlement followed, including lawsuits filed by some 300 veterans before the U.S. Supreme Court confirmed the settlement in 1988. <laughs> by that time, the settlement had risen to some $240 million, including interest. Mm. In 1988, Dr. James Clary, an Air Force researcher associated with R- Operation Ranch Hand, wrote to Senator Tom Daschle, where, when we initiated the herbicide, program in the 1960s we were aware of the potential for damage due to dioxin Mm. contamination in the herbicide however because the material was to be used on the enemy none of us were overly concerned we never considered a scenario in which our own personal personnel would become contaminated with (laughs) yeah yeah wow that's that makes it better yeah (laughs) okay like no thank you in 1991, President George H.W. Bush signed into law the Agent Orange Act, which mandated that some diseases associated with Agent Orange and other herbicides, including non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, soft tissue sarcomas, and chloracne, be treated as the result of wartime service. This helped codify the VA's response to veterans with, when, with conditions related to their exposure to Agent Orange. Okay. In addition to the massive environmental devastation of the U.S. defoliation program in Vietnam, that nation has reported that some 400,000 people were killed or maimed as a result of of exposure. In addition, Vietnam claims half a million children have been born with serious birth defects, while as many 2 million people are suffering from cancer or other illnesses caused by Agent Orange. In 2004, a group of Vietnamese citizens filed a class action lawsuit against more than 30 chemical companies, including the same ones that settled with the U.S. veterans in 1984. The suit, which sought billions of dollars worth of damages, claimed that Agent Orange and its poisonous effects left a legacy of health problems and that its use constituted a violation of international law. Mm -hmm. In March 2005, a federal judge in Brooklyn... New York dismissed the suit. Another U.S. court rejected a final appeal in 2008, causing outrage among Vietnamese victims of Operation Ranch Hand and the U.S. veterans alike. Fred A. Wilcox, author of Scorched Earth, Legacies of Chemical Warfare mm-hmm. in Vietnam, told the Vietnamese news source, VN Express International, the U.S. government refuses to compensate Vietnamese victims of chemical warfare because to do so would mean admitting that the U.S. committed yeah. war crimes in Vietnam. This would open the door to lawsuits that would cost the government billions of dollars. So. Money, money, money. So that was a very reduced (laughs) summary of Agent Orange. Yeah. Which seems kind of long, but also that's reduced. not, yeah, Yeah. no, compared to what it did. And the 
devastation yeah that it caused and i remember my uncle mike always being sick but he was very he didn't talk about it he didn't make a big deal about it he didn't I, you wouldn't know he was sick if you didn't ever get close to him mm-hmm. and but i remember my dad and it's a weird memory because i'm i'm not sure exactly if i'm remembering it correctly but in my mind it was me in because my dad would tell me to like go in the closet or go into the next room or whatever while he was giving my uncle his treatment Mm. and I was peeking through the closet because it was one of those with you know you kind of peek through the slats and he had some sort of hole in his back that my dad was putting these it looked like lettuce but it couldn't I mean like I don't know obviously wasn't putting lettuce it was some sort of medical like that he's packing into a wound weird and i don't know what it what it was or what it was for but i have a memory of that and him just having like little tubes in his chest and little things like that but when he first got his diagnosis they told him he wouldn't live 10 years and he lived like 30 That's after crazy. afterward do you know how old he was when he got his Diagnosis? I'm not sure how old he was when he was actually diagnosed, but he lived to be, I'm trying to do the 55. Oh, yeah. that's still so young. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, and one time, I mean, my dad had told me a little bit about Agent Orange and about Vietnam, and I remember in elementary school doing a report on it and you know calling my uncle like asking him if it was okay if he mind talking about it but i remember doing a report on asian orange because of him when i was young young yeah um things not most kids are thinking about yeah (laughs) yeah but and he was he was as open as he would be about that sort of thing but tough thing to talk about yeah but he was just a cut up and a joker and a genius with electronics like Mm. he he could um my friend's parents have talked about how they would get mike brooker's car and he was like it was the first time they had ever seen somebody be able to play music (laughs) while driving because he took a record player and rigged it up in his glove box with these cords and things (laughs) so that when it went over bumps it would just sort of do like this and the record wouldn't skip oh that's cool so he rigged up his, his own like system before there were like people even had like radios in their cars. Should have been a millionaire. And so, <laughs> and my dad said he used to like take things and because they had you know metal beds when they were, mm, you know, I mean, yeah, the springs of the beds. And he would do this stuff where he would rig up some sort of battery to it so that when him and his brother went to lay on him, it would give him an electric shock. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> you know. 50s because that's what boys do yeah and also i mean my dad their father died when my dad was three weeks old and so mike would have been four and you know single mom raising these boys i mean twins no less twins and an older son like (sighs) boys just did that poor could get away with things like that That it was was a very different time yeah so so many stories about them just being (laughs) crazy but my dad um when he my dad went into the military my uncle mike had already been in the military for a while and he 
uh, I guess when you're in the military, like you're not going to do anything to make you special or stand mm-hmm. out. It's it's all regimented. And so when my dad was at boot camp, I think my uncle Mike sent a birthday cake to my dad on his birthday. Oh fuck! And they made my dad like do these extra. And he knew what he was. He doing. knew, yeah, a hundred percent knew what he was doing. And my dad did the, like the mud crawl and all that. And when he was coming out of it, the guy took the, I guess his sergeant or whatever, took the cake and slammed it down on his head. God. <laughs> God. It's like so siblings. He knew he was going to get in trouble. Yeah, that's exactly why he did it. Made a great birthday. Yeah, he's like, how'd you like that cake? <laughs> what an asshole. Exactly. I love it. I love it. But that was just, I mean, he used to do things like that. We'd be at the beach and he would take a blue crab and get the pincher and stick it to the back of my shirt. Oh, God. So that, it's just, but he also had this very, um, fuck it attitude after he came back from Vietnam. Like, there ain't shit you're going to put me through that's going to be worse. Yeah, I've seen it all. Than this. And he was just such a cut up and so funny. But... One of the reasons I think he had that real fuck it attitude was he was a radio man during Vietnam. Mm. And yeah, I want to yeah, know more about what that know is. More about that. So mm. I did some research and there's really not a lot of research about it. And I wonder if it's because just the lack of remaining radio men there are. So here's, here's the deal. It could also just be, sh- you know, how yeah. the United States government military is and vietnam was a shameful war like you know they didn't come back from vietnam with there was no thank you for your service it was like you're well it was like basically the first televised war and so people were seeing Mm -hmm. what what war was like right and you're at home thinking "Hmm, this doesn't seem like a good thing to be doing yeah you know and i remember the uh was it time magazine or life magazine the cover of yeah, the little boy that just changed the world. Yeah, that one photograph. Yeah, so I, I can't remember the name of the photo, but yeah. everyone probably knows exactly what I'm talking right. about. Right. Yeah. So, a little info about radio men mm-hmm. and their role in the Vietnam War. So, at the height of the war, up and coming comma guys who wanted to learn the art of radio operation would walk into a classroom and see a huge number five written on the chalkboard. Okay. Inevitably, someone's curiosity would win out, and they'd ask what the big number meant. The instructor would then calmly tell them, that's your life expectancy in seconds in a firefight. So listen up, and you might learn something that'll keep you alive. The number wasn't some outrageous scare tactic. During the Vietnam War, the odds were tremendously stacked against radio operations, and that five-second life expectancy was, for some, a grim reality. In all fairness, though, that number was... On the more extreme side of estimates, because the life expectancy of a radio operator in the Vietnam War ranged really between 5 to 30 seconds, depending on your source. But if you look at all the things they were tasked with, it becomes abundantly clear why these men weren't expected to last long. Jeez. The reasons. One, weight of the gear. The PRC-77 radio system weighed 13 pounds without batteries. Tossing batteries, some spare batteries... The large encryption device called the Nestor, and that adds up to 54 pounds on your back at all times during oh battle. God. Not to mention the weapon system like everyone else had. So, you know, your rifle, your artillery, oh, yeah. all that. So that's on top of everything else. <laughs> the antenna, not heavy, but extremely uncomfortable, 
The three-foot version was easier on the radio operator, but it wouldn't work in thick jungles. So in that circumstance, the radio operator needed a 10-foot whip antenna to stick out from the back. Jesus Christ. I mean, inconspicuous. Yeah. So they're, they're basically a giant weighted down target. Targets, yeah. yeah. And you might say, well, you know, what's... If you take out the radio carrier, like, what's... The, I mean, that's just How one person, you know. Though, but that's, but like, the, that's the thing. You take out the yeah. radio carrier and they can't... Get orders. They can't, right. Yeah. They can't call in airstrikes. Mm-hmm. And so... Or if they, f- for help, right? Yeah, like, but it, I mean, and one of but one of the big things was airstrikes. Yeah. So if you take off the radio carrier, you don't have to worry about planes, you know, I mean, over, yeah, yeah. coming over, and oh, it, so that goes away. And also, their priority pr- placement, the radio operators' place in the marching order was at the heels of the officer in charge. So. The enemies knew that all they had to do was, like, see that big antenna, throw a grenade at it, you take out their communication, and you take out their high, you know, higher-ranked officers with just one grenade. So they just literally had a target on their backs. That's crazy. So that was one per unit? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's who they were trying to take out. Like, look for the radio carrier, toss your grenade, and then the rest of this will be an easy day for us. So that's why so many of them died. And a a story that I read here was an example. Jim Shingleton was among 28 soldiers that left Fort Ord, California on December 23rd in 1966 and arrived the next day, Christmas Eve, in Vietnam. The newly graduated communication specialists landed in Plaku and were then flown to base camp Akei Shingleton, however, had gotten sick and missed the flight to Ankei. Within a week, he caught a helicopter there and learned that 26 of the original 28 were dead. Oh, God. So, I mean... Not a good time. They were just on a rotating dial. (laughs) Dial. Yeah, dial. Jesus. So, that's the deal with the radio men. That's crazy. and my uncle was extremely fast. He broke all of these records and held records at Waycross High School in track and field. So I wonder, and because he was like so fast and because he was sort of a genius with electronics, yeah. that's probably the natural fit for him was to yeah. be a radio carrier and maybe why he survived. Yeah. Because no, there aren't many surviving radio men. God, I would love to get some... Um veterans on the podcast yeah oh god yeah so that's i mean that just kind of is a little explanation of where what what happened to him and why he i guess was the way that he was not that the way he was was bad that yeah but just but yeah like what made him tick his experience yeah i mean so uh he obviously outlived his, you know, years that they thought he was supposed to live. Sure. And he had one son, my cousin. And that, I mean, and was kind of in and out of relationships. He was kind of a card when it came. Your cousin? No, my oh, my uncle. My. Yeah, he, he always had a different girl. There was always one girlfriend that... It, was sort of a solid, steady <laughs> girlfriend, but then there would be different ones sort of mixed and intermingled in there. There was a few. Yeah, there were there a, few. a few. Um, 
but they were always really nice and always but he would always bring over whoever he was dating at the time he was just a cut up like that and he had he had his goats and he had his little house in Milledgeville oh and I mean that's that's really all he needed to make himself happy yeah Tombsboro 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 sounds about right yeah (laughs) um worked for Reem for many many years as I um he was an engineer for Reem okay of course that was his also sounds about right for him yeah and so he traveled all over the country and he would always send me postcards you from, still have them, I'm sure. Yep, I still have them. That's awesome. And it's funny because he was such a genius with electron, you know, electronics and things like that that are over my head. But his his spelling and grammar <laughs> in the, the postcards was that wasn't was atrocious. <laughs> wasn't on point exactly. But that just shows you that whole adage about um, if you try to teach a bird how to swim, yeah, it'll think it's dumb. Yeah, like, we all have our different strengths and different things Absolutely. that we're. And really, when it comes to my uncle, I just have so many little stories and not a lot of really big stories like that because he would just kind of come in and just sort of breeze in, and we'd have this great time, and then he would leave, and then he would be sick for a period of time, and would just kind of retreat into his shell because he didn't want people to worry about him didn't want people to fuss over him but i mean my memory most is just him he was always smiling always laughing and cutting up and he just had all these weird little peccadillos i guess like he would steal menus from (laughs) restaurants when that was his souvenir like when he was he would steal menus and he called me laura bell and so one time he went to a play a restaurant called laura bells and stole their menu but it was just all part of that, like, fuck it. Kind of like, what are they going to do for yeah, like, stealing what, a menu? If like, this is what they're <laughs> concerned about, then who will? So, so how long did he outlive your dad? Uh, so my dad died when I was 11, and my uncle might died when I was 17. Mm. And I have a very strong memory of my uncle. I'll try not to cry. Yeah. So it's because it's one of those that every time it does it to me, because at my dad's, funeral my uncle wanted my wanted me to walk over to the casket with him and we walked over together and he just started crying and he was like goodbye baby brother and i think about it i'm trying not to right now but i mean he just started crying and i started crying but that's from that fuzzy time of being at my dad's funeral that's one of my very vivid Mm -hmm. memories is him walking over there and saying that and sometimes i'll just think about it randomly going about my life and just whoo have to choke it back um and i mean when it came to him and he passed away when i was yeah junior in high school because it was after i'd start going to Ware county and my mom just had said for me to come by her office right after work and i went by and she said, she's like, I don't want to tell you this. Because mm. <laughs> like, she knew. Fuck, 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 fuck. She knew how close yeah. we were. And she loved him, too. And, in fact, when she got remarried after, you know, my dad passed away, we went, him and his girlfriend, Brenda, who was his, con, like, on, he always went back to Brenda. <laughs> you know? But they came down for a visit and we went. That was his main bitch. Yeah, that was his main. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was technically married all this time, but his wife, 
his wife would not divorce him because she knew she was going to get a fat check. Yeah, that's so fucked up. When the Hodgkin's lymphoma finally, yeah, so she wouldn't ever divorce him. And in fact, when he was like, he knew his time was coming, he called her and said, please, please divorce me. Like, please divorce me. And I'm not going to say he was a saint. I don't know what, I'm sure, yeah. I would not be surprised if he <laughs> ran around a little. Or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that it's all all him, all her. Whatever. Everyone has their faults and everyone has... I'm sure he had a lot of demons from the war itself. Sure. I f- feel like... Yeah. So, not putting it all on her by any stretch of the imagination. But, I, you know, you'd think, like, when that much time has passed, because it had been... I know I don't know I've never met her in my life so she was it had been probably 25 years since they had even been married and you would think at that point and someone's on their deathbed like just just let it go be the bigger person yeah yeah but so she ended up when he died she ended up with everything oh god and so I mean there were some things I would have liked to have just to remember Remember, him and some things that you know we gave to him that were my dad's and like that i would have liked to have had back and you know she was just like no garage sale this shit oh no yeah so you don't even your mom doesn't know how to find her Mm -mm. oh wow well her name was nancy i can't remember but i mean and then bridna who was the one that took care of him didn't get anything yeah um I know it's a very complicated situation, and I'm not trying to put blame on any one person in this. You know, from our point of view, of course, it's like what a bitch, and yeah. how dare she do that? But I'm I'm sure that there were there's more there's more to it than that. But that I will never know yeah. <laughs> because of the situation. But to me, him and my dad hung the moon together. And so, like, if you want to say a bad word about him, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'll deck you. Oh, shit. I will go neck. On I believe she that, will go neck. <laughs> that, spoke, neck. that spoke bad about my Uncle Mike. So, yeah. anyway. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think he, like, beat her or did anything that, like, no. that. I mean, They're probably he, kids. And he, he probably came back from the war yes. and was messed up. And right. And maybe I mean, he was an asshole. I feel like it's a story that's not unheard of. No. That, that just was kind of, like. I would actually be interested in what the rate of, like, divorce was after Yeah. And Vietnam. also, he had already, oh, so he was first married to, my dad and both of his brothers were all married to a woman named Susan. <laughs> Like, there were three Susans. We have pictures of the three Susans. And no Susan is safe. <laughs> <laughs> From those Burger Boys. So they got, I don't remember the exact timeline, but that was the, they, the Susans were all the mothers of their children. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because my, my, my Uncle Mike and my Uncle Andy both divorced and remarried. My dad and my mom were the only ones that mm-hmm. stayed together. So he had already had his child with her and i'm not sure where in the timeline that happened if it was before or after he went to war like just because i'm sure he comes back and he marries nancy and he's not able to have children with her because of agent orange yeah i mean there's just so many so much about that that would fuck with your head yeah so i'm i suspect that he probably ran around on her yeah would be that would be my (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Just from knowing him. Because he, yeah. he loved the ladies. <laughs> yeah. And hey, monogamy's not for everyone. Yeah, no, it's not. Especially someone who just like their their give a damn is broken, 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 like gone through a shredder and tossed into the ocean. Like that's where his give a damn was. It's buried somewhere in Vietnam. Yes, I mean because there's just no way. Um, So I say all that to say, or I guess going back to the story about him and my mom when my mom got remarried, him and Brenda came and we had. We had dinner, and my mom was really nervous. And oh, yeah. And um, afterward, he was, you know, giving us a hug about. He always gave the best, just like strong arm mm. hugs, you know. And uh, mom said, or you know, he was like, he seems like a good man, or whatever. And my mom said something about how she was nervous introducing the two of them he said wow well, you didn't need to be nervous you're my sister <laughs> you're my you're my sister yeah and it was just not a, even a big deal for him of course he wanted her to move on and wanted her to be yeah. happy and and your dad would have yeah yeah so and that was just him and but anyway i guess the day where i found out that he had died and my mom called me in and she was just like <laughs> like you could see it <laughs> on her face like I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one to have to tell you this. But she was just, you're, she's like, Mike died last night. And we, and I remember just sitting down in a chair, just like in shock. Like I didn't cry. I didn't talk. It was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't process the yeah. information in that moment. And so she, but she, you know, she gave me a hug and it just took me a few minutes for it to like really sink in on me before mm-hmm. I started crying. Mm-hmm. And then, even then, it was like a really slow cry. It was just sort of like, okay, here are some tears, and then a little more crying, and then like full on yeah. crying. Yeah. Because it's the, we've talked about it before. When you have a death that's close to you, it brings back all of those other deaths that yeah. were close to you. And it's like taking the scab off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Throwing, pouring alcohol in yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. so it was bad. And it gets infected. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually not a bad analogy. No, no. It's not disgusting. At all. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, uh, and I, I ain't no medicine for grief, <laughs> except for talking about it. And so my grandma, my dad's mom was the one that pretty much made the funeral arrangements Mm -hmm. and handled everything and it was just that was one of my questions so Mm -hmm. she three sons she she lost her husband and two sons two sons so that's another complicated situation because she she was the way that she was i guess i can't really say there was a lot of love between us Mm mm-hmm but it, that was a I, ha, I have empathy or sympathy for her for what she went through. Mm-hmm. But also, when my dad died, she completely withdrew and withdrew and retreated. Because okay, my dad and my uncle Mike both loved photography, and if you walked into the to my uncle Mike's kitchen, like his dining area, was nothing but photos of me. It was just Aww. like pictures of me and maybe a few of some goats and maybe some me with his goats, but they were all of me. And then my dad also liked to do photography. I mean, that was really, I was, they were like, oh, we've got a little model. And like, <laughs> just, just would put me in these weird, <laughs> these not weird scenarios, <laughs> but just like, oh, hold this Pepsi can just like this. And, you know, like lean you back were there. You a very just, photogenic child. So, I mean, you were the cutest little girl. 
There's a picture that Seth and Hat. Well, he didn't like find it, but you posted on social media, and mm-hmm. he saved it on his computer. And every now and then, when he's like going through his hard drive, he's like, "Oh, look, Casey, look at little Laura. It's so fucking cute." And it's so funny because I was like, she was the cutest baby. And I was like, yeah, she was cute. What the fuck, Seth? Like, you just have this random baby picture of Laura. I hope he makes it his desktop. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, oh God. Anyway, so, sorry. I mean, in my, there was a point of pride there for my grandma for years because there was a granddaughter and I was the baby. And yeah. so she used to just have like, photos plastered of me everywhere and then after my dad died she took down all the photos and she was just kind of like it's too hard for me to see you like just kind of it's like I understand it to some degree but then I also you are like a spitting image and I think yeah but then I also would have been really nice to have somebody there that could have helped us through it instead of just completely you're the child yeah it's like I don't really blame her, but at the same time, I'm like I don't I don't have any extra respect for you because you couldn't you couldn't it, yeah. deal. So yeah. anyway, I'm, even though I know it was hard, but whatever. Yeah. So then she got like a weird jealousy with my relationship with my uncle Mike. I think oh, like gosh. she just didn't really understand it and she didn't get it, and it was you know he would come to our hometown to see her, and then. Mm he would come and see me and or me, me and my brother, and my mom. But, um, so there was a weird jealousy there with her. So when she planned and also she remarried this man named Bob, Bob Cobb. No. Who was the fucking worst? No, no, no. His name was not Bob Cobb. Bob Cobb. No, shut the fuck up. Bobby Cobb, Bob Cobb. Yep. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Cobb. And he was just, <laughs> terrible and these like very passive kind of terrible you know he didn't say and do anything aggressive but he was just very manipulative yes very manipulative and so when my when my uncle passed away my grandma planned the whole funeral it was at the church that they grew up in they did an altar call oh good yeah so that was fun and it was kind of they just sort of made it all about her and her loss it wasn't anybody else's loss but hers and i kind of felt bad for my cousin who had just lost his dad oh, sure who had, yeah. i believe was the one that performed c uh cpr on him he was in the house when he died and i want to say that he tried to resuscitate him that's um, terrible and so i felt bad for my cousin that the whole thing ended up being so much about my grandma but have you uh, stayed in touch with your cousin? No, I have. I mean, I would like to. He's just, I think he's got some demons, too, sure. that he's fought over the years. And we've just, he's not on Facebook or anything. And so there have been a few times we've touched base. And I care about him and I hope the best for him. But he was also so much older than me. Yeah. Um, And... So anyway, I mean, that was pretty much the funeral. I don't remember anything really stand out from it, except that it was just awkward as fuck. And altar call funerals are just... Always the fucking worst. Such a terrible idea. Especially for someone like 
your uncle uncle mike i'm not saying that he wasn't it was not it the the funeral did not reflect him yeah, it doesn't sound like it fits whatsoever because i mean he really was the kind that was like throwing my body in a fucking ditch yeah. i don't care yeah but my you know my dad and his brothers didn't really go to a lot of church because they were forced into it yeah. as children but my grandma insisted that my when, at my dad's funeral that we have something at the church he grew up in so we ended up having the like food afterwards there and then you know do this for my for my uncle so it was just it was weird yeah but I always hate that yeah and it's I think because I had my uncle longer than my dad it's weird sometimes it's almost like I miss him more I mean mean, it makes sense it it goes back and forth like some days I really really miss him other times I really miss my dad but I had I had thought to myself that I hope that my uncle Mike will be there to see me graduate and walk down. Like, I hope that I have that person in my life. And then he died my junior year of high school. Well, I mean, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, sure. But, are you dumb? <laughs> why did you Why did you think that that good thing would happen? Yeah. Sucks. So. It's weird, too, because I don't. I can't remember that happening. Yeah. You know, and we were close then, but. Yeah. Oh, and you know, a lot of people say like it's it's an uncle. Like people lose their uncles all the time, and people always want me to you know talk about my your dad dad yeah. dying because of course that's tragic and terrible. Mm-hmm. But my uncle Mike and I just had a very very special I connection. Mean, it's no different than like let's say you lose a, a really really close friend. Yeah, somebody that's influential in yeah. your life that you have known forever. He was my buddy. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I've, I've thought that so many times. There's like, so many people. Like, I get annoyed when people say, like, oh, your uncle died. My friend Jen, her uncle, Uncle Frank, died of cancer when we mm-hmm. were in high school. And I remember she was devastated. And yeah. people were like, it's your uncle. Like, what? And it always bothered me the same way it bothers me when people are like, oh, everyone loses their grandparents yeah like you don't know what those bonds are i mean everyone's familial bonds are different my my biggest paternal figure in my life was my grandfather yeah you know he was the one that encouraged me that bought me my first car that made me read history books you know what i mean like he was a good positive influence in my life and you know like neva yeah and her her loss of her grandparents like yeah it deeply affects her because those are her people yeah so yeah i know i get what you're saying but that is frustrating because i mean that seems like the obvious story to tell is the one about my dad but my uncle and i i don't want it to either one to diminish the other they're both different um but like I said, I like I just think about my uncle Mike and a million different memories run through my head. Yeah. But some of my favorites were just us going up to visit him and seeing him when he lived in Milledgeville. That was that was my reward for making straight A's my report Aww. card was that we would go see him. That's so sweet. And miserable drive too. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks now because there's not really anybody left that I can learn about. Like I I have mem I've I've said before, I have memories the way that they are. I don't know if those are the exact... It's the way I remember it, and there, but there's nobody there to contradict yeah. me. So, to me, like, this is this is just what it is. If there is a contradiction, I would love to know it. Please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there, and you, you... His other brother lives where? I don't really know. My, okay. My, my dad's twin. I'm not sure where he is. Okay. Um, We were not close. 
Um, he was not close to my dad. Um, That's so bizarre to me. I've seen him maybe three times my whole life. So That's just bizarre to me because you it, it's a twin. Yeah. But whatever. Twin, I guess, twin relationship. And they weren't identical. Um, but he was there my when my dad passed away. And I thought, I don't even know who that guy is. However, I not, not close, but closer with my dad's twin's sons gotcha well, one of them in particular also lives in brunswick and his wife used to come in my store they have a business Aww. on saint simon's and so i do whenever we see each other he's just he is so brooker and my cousin and it, that's a look yeah it is yeah. it's just very like big hands like so happy to see you element mm-hmm. to when you see him and I'm, I'm always happy when i bump into him or and i hope and he's got a daughter that's dressed up like Dr. Pimple Popper. She's obsessed with Dr. Pimple oh Popper. Oh, my God. How old is she? Like nine, oh eight or God, nine. That's hilarious. But dressed up. But that's like her hero. <laughs> and dressed up. And then Dr. Pimple Popper retweeted the oh, that's picture cool. of her. And she was just so excited. But she, I look at her and I think, that is a Brooker child. That is just, I mean, it looks... Similar to I did when yeah. I was her age. I was just like, that's a little Brooker girl right there. Do you, you know if tell. he's close with his dad? And yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think that he is. And I feel like my brother at some point sort of mended. I, I don't have anything against the yeah, man. You just, he just wasn't I just around. Have, he was not around. I have, I have nothing, no kind of relationship with him because mm-hmm. of the things that he was into also i think when i was younger and so i don't want to say anything to disparage no, him obviously not. because i just don't it's know. just interesting to me the different like familial yeah. relationships like how yeah. some you you would obviously assume that you'd be more close to your dad's twin than yeah. your uncle mike but he was older yeah, yeah exactly but like my uncle <laughs> my dad's twin one time wasn't you know video video box offices were a thing it was called video box office <laughs> yeah, yeah. in waycross this is like the local blockbuster yeah because we didn't have a blockbuster and you basically just signed a ticket with your name for rentals i mean yeah and like a library yeah and so his twin went up there and put his stuff under my dad's account and ran up this huge bill and so it's almost like depending on the relationship like if you have a good relationship that would be kind of a funny yeah. thing yeah but if you don't have a good relationship that's not so funny that's a dick move you're, you're dicking me over <laughs> but it's that's if my uncle mike had done that to my dad my dad would have just laughed about it yeah but his twin does it to him and it's <laughs> it's like what the fuck man? what the fuck you just yeah yeah I got you. But my grandma always had this, you know, y'all need to mend fences. And to my dad, you need to be the bigger person. And my dad's just like, I'm not bringing the shit that he's into around my family. Mm -hmm. And I wish that when you spent time with me, you could just talk to me about it and not talk about him. Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, so when I was doing the research about my uncle, I went on and found his obituary. Oh, cool. I mean... And (laughs) and I was reading the comments from people and I just thought that that was so interesting now that that. I'm removed with it. So I thought I would read a few of the comments. We will always remember the fun times we had with Mike, the duck hunts, the cookouts (laughs) and Reem. Who else would come to visit with his pet goat baby? (laughs) We love you and we will miss you. (laughs) And so I remember him having these goats and the mother died during childbirth. And he I can't remember if it was two or three 
that he put diapers on and like Aww. let him be in the house. And so there were these pictures of him bottle feeding <laughs> these goats. <laughs> That's so sweet. With diapers on, but it was so cute. I and love that. oh, he also had a llama at one point. Jesus. Named Copper. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm telling you, just Name a character. Bob Drove Cobb. a Ford Falcon. Just. Which what I is a Ford Falcon? It's like a station wagon, but it was like the coolest fucking car. I would have loved to have had that car. And my, my mom took pictures of me behind the wheel when I was probably 15. Like mm-hmm. I was about to get my driver's license. And she was just like, that is your car. Right? That It just suited. She thought it suited me so well. But so if anyone out there has a Ford Falcon, let's <laughs> let's uh, start a GoFundMe for Lara. Um, which they they're either going to be very expensive now or yeah, not at all. Probably. You either get a hunk of junk or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. But man, I loved that car. So funny. I mean, I remember us going to visit, and one time we went up there, and he's like, I'm going to pick up a new goat baby. <laughs> and so we, um, I'm making him sound like really redneck, and he wasn't at all. So I don't know what that accent was. But it's just what we do to people. Yeah. That's just, we're like, we don't know how to do a different Mm-mm. voice except for more Southern. I'm going to pick it. We need guys. <laughs> except for more Southern than our own. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> he also, I mean, he just loved, loved animals. When he was in Vietnam, he sort of, I don't know how he acquired it, but I had a mongoose. Oh my God. That he was sort of his pet that he just sort of took on his pet while he was in whatever it takes man whatever yeah, it whatever takes to survive through it but he always had dogs and like a million dogs one he called sh because it would shit on the porch <laughs> and so it was short for shithead um that's funny so many dogs uh, over the years and his goats and his llama that's so cute, Cats. though. i mean just whatever in the middle of nowhere yeah mm-hmm. milledgeville I mean, we were just animal people. That's awesome. So Some things never change. Yep. Next comment. As a supplier representative to Ream, I got to know and work with Mike for a number of years. Never had I met a better engineer or a crazier one. (laughs) That is why we got along so great. I also got to respect Mike for his toughness in facing his medical problems. I certainly will miss him, but I know he made me a better person just by knowing him. Most A lot of the people were ones that worked with him at Ream. I worked with Mike for many years at Ream. He was one of my biggest supporters and is, oh, and almost all of these are from women, by the oh, way. well. Yeah. <laughs> which mm. is, which I'm like, of course they are, but also, like, I'm glad that he was so supportive and of motivating course. towards women during Especially that Especially in, in a company like that. Mm-hmm. I worked with Mike for many years at Ream. He was one of my biggest supporters and is one of the reasons that I was promoted to supervisor. His presence will be missed. I thought a lot of Mike and will continue to think of him in the years to come. The world won't be the same without your humor, your smile, your kindness, your insistence on always placing others before yourself. We love you, Mike, and already miss you. Mike made my days in the engineering department at Ream an experience, one I won't soon forget. He will all he was always full of laughter, but occasionally he would be serious. He loved life. I will miss him. And I think that's a very good summation of Yeah. And this one I just thought was funny. I'm very sad to learn about Mike. Mike was a good friend and we stayed in touch, mostly just kidding around via phone and photograph exchanges through the mail. <laughs> so so Mike Brooker. He would tell me stories about his goats and gave me humor. <laughs> I recall many fun times with him. One in particular when we traveled to Los Angeles to inspect some equipment and deliver a check for 60 grand. I forgot the check and Mike never let me forget that. <laughs> Last month... Mo- 
Mike came to my retirement party in Milledgeville, and being the cut-up he was, he grabbed me and planted a kiss on me just to get a laugh. I have that photo as a treasure. He was a swell person, and I will miss him very much. So, yeah, I thought it was cool to see the comments that other people made. i so. I said that, I mean, all of them just sounded like him. <laughs> it's funny, because like, that's not a thing that we could really do back then. Like, Because um, he died in 2000, when was it? Uh, 2002, I believe. Okay, so like internet, like people were having computers in their homes and stuff like yeah. that. And so now I love that uh, that people can comment on obituaries. Yeah, it was, in fact, all the obituaries had a date that was more recent because you could tell where they had put it into sure. computers. and That's yeah. easy, though. So It's a cool little thing. Yeah. Technology. So that you can go back and look at it. So it was nice to go back and see what other people it's had said. It's a good said. tool for, for yeah. remembering. yeah. Um, so remember that in the future that you can always comment on someone's guest yeah. book because you never know when someone might need to look back and True. see it and read those memories. And as far as his girlfriend, that her name was Brenda. I have no idea where she is. She's one of those people I would have loved to have seen again and kept in contact with. You don't know her last name? Casas. Okay. C-A-S-A-S. And your, yeah. mo- your mom didn't really keep in touch with her well this was before facebook so it was before and i've looked on for her on facebook before just but most of the people are like young girls that have that name and so and do i wonder if she stayed in milledgeville i don't yeah i mean i have no idea because my you know my my grandmother kind of made it was weird when my uncle mike died she kind of made brenda the enemy Mm. and nancy her ally because nancy was the one that had his stuff i guess Mm. and so she was trying to i don't know but i I have nothing but fond memories of brenda she was always fun and i don't know how my cousin feels about her i don't i don't know what the behind the scenes yeah it it sounds like that you have to be kind of a fun person to uh yeah just to handle to it. be with Mike <laughs> you had to have a certain kind of sense of humor yeah, I'd say so and a level of just like well the, I mean I probably shouldn't tell some of the stories but I'm, well, I'm just gonna tell it and I'll okay. ask her if it's okay if I keep it in so <laughs> she has this story about them doing THC on a boat <laughs> like in pill form and they were out on the the boat. I mean, out so in the lake in Milledgeville, but it was hard when it hit. And um, then the like lake police, whatever they are, came <laughs> the up. DNR, yeah, came up, and she was she was like tripping basically, like on TH. But she said that it was always something like that when they were with Mike, like something just. Happened. He had to do something. <laughs> he had to do something. He sounds like such a fun time. He was so fun. Oh my gosh. Like that was the whole thing is just when Mike was coming to town, it was going to be fun. When I we stayed up all night cuz we were going to catch Santa Claus when he came on Christmas and we Was both, this Mike's idea? Yeah. Mhm. Him and my dad were, you know, had been into the cups and my mom was <laughs> last minute wrapping all of the presents and I fell asleep on his chest on the couch and, mm. you know, didn't see Santa Claus. <laughs> Well, it's probably for the best, oh, considering. God. He ate a lot of cereal. He loved cereal because it was easy. <laughs> he was pretty much a bachelor. Because he didn't know how to yeah, cook. because he didn't want to cook anything. And I remember introducing him to Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and he thought that was the shit. You changed his life. <laughs> he was just like, you have opened up my world now to Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And he wore a lot of overalls because of the different medical apparatuses he mm. had to wear it didn't put that pressure on his chest oh. or on him so it, it was it was easier for so him he was to like wear always sick after vietnam 
always sick. I don't remember him being not sick. So, I mean, he had a Hodgkin's lymphoma for mm-hmm. God, 20 years, maybe. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Or longer. So, and I, and he probably had some other health problems that I just don't know about and there's nobody to ask yeah so because he was just so shut up about it and so private about his illness and didn't want his illness to affect other people yeah um but i do remember periods of time where he would just kind of retreat and you looking back it's like okay because he was, I know he was going, going through a rough time yeah yeah mm. so sounds like an awesome man yeah he was great yet another one that i don't know <laughs> All the good men in my life. Oh no, no, I'm not gonna say that. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I rebuke that young lady. I'll put it back in. I'll put it back mm-hmm. into my mouth. Okay. You better not. Uh uh-uh, uh. I can't. Mm. Do you understand? It's not about you here. It's about me. I can't. <laughs> Unreal. I can't believe you. Uh, how very dare you? How very dare you? Yeah, I have a question. How dare you? How dare you? Okay. <laughs> So, but I mean that I could go on and on. I have so many stories about him, but that's, I mean, I feel like that's a good place. It's a little brief synopsis. A little brief synopsis of, cause it's not really a funeral story. Cause like I said, not a lot happened, but it's more a story of his life and our connection. And well, really, I guess here. it was just, you know, don't let other people belittle your loss because mm-hmm. it wasn't a parent or a child or whatever it's whoever was close to you that died matters and their story deserves to be told and you're you deserve to tell it your feelings matter yeah and you can always tell us here on funeral stories i feel like last night when we were drinking we came up with so many good quotes and now i can't remember any of them we were on a damn roll <laughs> we really were we were having such a good time it was a great time it was southern brewing company with southern brewing company best yes there, I mean, it fun. seriously is one of the coolest. It's just so fun. And the beers breweries. are so good. And yeah. the owners are amazing. Jeez. So nice. And we'll be brewing our own funeral beer. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good time. I wish I could remember things. Yeah. But you have guess... to drink beer again. Yeah. And write them down. <laughs> so I guess that's where I will wrap it up unless you have any more questions about anything. That you... I mean, I have questions about things that i don't know that you know the answer to yeah do you know what i mean not because of <laughs> like the same yeah. questions i probably have yes exactly because there's yeah Basically. i mean that's what kind of is weird when you have these questions and there's nobody left to answer them Mm-mm. for you because he was also like when my um when my grandfather died that i never met that my dad didn't really meet mm-hmm. my grandmother had a lot of sisters i can't remember how many now <laughs> But there were three sisters that sort of took up, like each of them kind of took a boy and mm-hmm. <laughs> took them under their wing. And so my Aunt Mary was my Uncle Mike's, the one that kind of took up with him. Right. And she also lived in Milledgeville, but I'm not, I don't know if that's why he moved to Milledgeville or if she moved there because of him. Hmm. But I, I think I remember that they, one or the other, just followed the other And she's there. She passed. No, she's she's passed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my grandma, all of her sisters are passed now at this point. Um, my dad had the aunt. Jane was the one that was close to him. And um, he she passed when my dad my dad was in Vietnam or when he was in the military. Yeah. Not actually, my dad never went to Vietnam, but he was in the military. And 
Yeah. So. And you just. And she she died while he was over there, and he tried to get back and waited in the waited in the airport for three days, but it could never get a flight, mm. so he didn't get to go to her funeral. But so sad. Yeah. So anyway, I guess we could much sum this love, up. Uncle Mike. Yeah, much love, Uncle Mike. I miss you. Aww. But uh, oh, I have to tell this story. Okay. So he's buried at Oakland Cemetery, and because I feel like this is like the best after death tribute I could have ever given him. So his and his grave is in Oakland Cemetery. <laughs> And in high school, where is Oakland Cemetery? In Waycross, okay. Georgia. That's the big one in Waycross. On, uh, yeah, the Blackshear Highway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So we're Nats. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep, the ants and pants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, my friends and I, when we would want to smoke pot in high school, we would say <laughs> we're going to go pay a visit to Uncle Mike, <laughs> and we would go smoke at his graveside. <laughs> And he would have fucking loved that. He would have fucking loved that. That's so funny. But that was our, like, we're like, you know, and we're talking in code. We're like, we're going to go hang out with Uncle Mike. And I can't believe I never hung out with Uncle Mike. <laughs> and so that's where we would go so to funny. smoking pot. But that's so funny. He taught me a lot about just not. Smoking pot. Yeah, about smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> about just, you know, letting stuff roll off your back and not letting things bother you. And I attribute that sort of part of my personality when my dad passed away to the brooker in me that ability of being able to take it and go okay so this shit happened and now we're just gonna live our life to the fullest so i guess let's end it there and just say live your life to the fullest because it all ends in a funeral bye guys bye funeral stories is produced by seth and Molino, and music is by john pope Check out our website and blog by going to www.funeralstories.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Funeral Stories and on Instagram at Funeral underscore Stories. Donate to our cause on Patreon to unlock subscriber rewards. And please don't forget to send your funeral stories to funeralstoriespodcast at gmail.com or hello at funeralstories.com. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and listen on your preferred podcasting service. Thanks, guys. Bye.